Good morning. You know, I find that it's actually amazing that uh, I get an opportunity to do this. I get an opportunity to be part of this great family that we call Grace Church from the very bottom of my heart. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this is, this is who we are and welcome the forming of Christ in the believer through relationally walking people through to maturity is how we fix the moral void in America. So at Grace Church, our corporate gatherings are designed to develop disciples of Jesus or apprentices. You know, when the Lord called me back here to Grace Church, because the first time I came here for five years was back in the early 2000s, September of 2000. And so uh, I came and I was faithful and you know, we went through some battles together and stuff, and yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things, I really wasn't going to share this, but I decided to. I've just, I'm going to just allow the Spirit to just have His way. And, uh, but, you know, one of the truths that I absolutely just love about who I am in Christ and who you are in Christ is these truths. We all have a centrality in Jesus. In the book of Acts, what is it that we all share in common? Yes, you know what? Ron is willing to go over to your house and work on things, and I've done that for many of you. I've blessed a lot of you in that area. And you've blessed me by allowing me to do that, by allowing me to serve you. But the thing that we share in common is that we all have a need for Jesus. There isn't anybody here that has been drawn by the Spirit to find anything other than that which is of the Spirit. Isn't that what Jesus taught? It isn't my truth. It's Christ's truth. You know, whether you make Jesus Lord of your life or not, He is. He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. And I stand on that. I don't allow any other truth to be my governor, to be my Lord of lords or my King of kings. Not my feelings, not my emotions. And like Gretchen pointed out, I'll probably laugh and cry because I do that a lot. So, That God is our Father. That truth in and of itself right there is just mind-boggling to me. So I don't try to understand that simple truth by my brain because my brain can't do that. There's a word that the Lord spoke to me here not too long ago. <clears throat> and the word is ineffable. I don't use the word ineffable. I've never used the word ineffable. And the Lord spoke it to me, not once, not twice, not three, but like ten times. Finally, my lightning fast brain said, well, what does ineffable mean? Right? So ineffable, and this is by the Oxford Dictionary, literally means too great to be expressed or described in words. So you know what the Father did? He sent His word. Amen. Catch that, please. The Father's kingdom, whose kingdom? The Father's, is accessible now. In everything that I've ever done in my life, everything that I've accomplished, everything that I've ever spoken, I've come to this reality that Jesus is here now. That His kingdom is here now. This isn't something that we're waiting for. 
You know, I like the idea out of Thessalonians where it says, in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. You know what that is to me? That's when I become aware that Jesus is inside of me. I'm not waiting to go off to heaven. I'm, I'm not waiting to get some, you know, great, profound, you know, scripture, revelation, rhema meaning. But that He lives in me now. That He encompasses all of that in me and you. And one of the things that I really enjoy that Steve has been preaching on is how we get there. You get there through regeneration. That's a work of the Spirit. It isn't about what you do. I'll go around all through the week and I'll tell people, good job. You know what? I appreciate you. And this is most commonly the word that I get. And this is a cultural problem. What have I done? It isn't what you've done. It's what Jesus has done in you. Good job. Right? And we can all, you know, we can all really just agree with that. So this is regeneration defined. And if this sounds familiar, it's because this is what Steve has been preaching on. This is literally a supernatural birth performed by God's Spirit, whereby we become brand new creations and are infused with His divine life. The life Christ is now living on earth has been placed in you, and you who have been placed in the life of Christ is now living on earth. The kingdom is here. Uh, Luke 1.15, the kingdom is now. Right? We're not waiting for some spectacular event. We're not waiting for, you know, some opening of the clouds. And I'm, you know, all, oh, great. I'm glad for all that. But this is what I know. This is one of the things that I've really experienced. I don't consume my thoughts, you know, and, and my time worrying about hell. Hell's a non-issue to me. But here's the one thing that I do know in loving you well, which is when I ask the Lord, Lord, I want to love these people well. Right? So this is what I know. When I go into your situation and you're wracked with the enemy's or even your own plans and purposes, the things that you thought were so important. And you know what you've created? You know what the consequence of that is? Your hell. And if I can come along and I can speak to you and wash you with the Word and love you well so that you then become aware of who you are in Christ, then I'm partnering with Jesus. That's what I do. That's what we do by our nature. That's the nature of the Father. Jesus has never, ever once ever come to me and said, you sinner. That's right. You, you know, you, you sot, you lousy, you slug. He's never done that. And so why would I expect Him to do it now? Here's a greater truth then why would I do that to you? Why do we do that to one another? You want to really begin to change the culture? Then be who you are in Christ. And you know what? Whatever your gifting is, whatever your talent is, then do as all is under the Lord. Let Him perform that thing in you out. Let Him manifest. And you just partner with it. Amen? Yeah, amen. So... This is, you know, what we're all 
you know, most of us find this to be a mystery which can only be unveiled in the Spirit or by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Even me. And you can all say that. Even me. That's right. So one of the things that I'm going to really do today is I'm going to, and it's funny because I was going to teach on something else. I think I was going to teach on the mind of Christ. But the Lord asked me, you know, Ron, could you just share your testimony? How did you get here? You know, that's what we all share in common, right? Lord, how did I get to you? You know, he's not the one who was lost, so you didn't find Jesus. He found you. Amen? So I find myself, <clears throat> Mrs. Bridges and I went away after 2005, and we were gone till 2015. And we took and uh, we went back east, which was a trip in and of itself, and we were back there for a little over 10 years, I guess. Yeah, a little over, no, no, yeah, right out of 10 years. The shirt was blue, not green. So anyway, um, but in coming back, I partnered with someone for five years, and I did what it was that the Lord had called me to do. And, and in partnering there, at the end of five years, the Lord spoke to me and said, okay, this is enough. It's time for you to, to move on. It's time for you to you know, do whatever it is that he wanted me to do, which I won't really get into. And one day, I was doing like I do, and this was July 4th of 2021, and you've heard Steve talk about this. And I'm that Ron who decided to partner with him in the raising up of sons who look like the Father. That's Steve's heart, 100%. That's the Father's heart. One of the greatest things that you can say to me is you can look and spend time with my son and go, you are like your dad. That's what the father loves to hear. Lord, I'm thankful. Why? Because he's thankful. I'm a giver. Why? Because he's a giver. I'm a lover. Why? Because he's a lover. Right? I'm never, you know, you know people will go, you know, Ron, do you ever have a bad day? Why? People go, hey, Ron, how you doing today? Awesome possum, right? You'll hear me say this. Why? Because I have a choice. I can choose either to be in the molly grubs or allow my feelings or watch the news, which I don't do. I would advise that. Because it's not good news. It's horrible news. And it will drag you down. And if you wonder why you're drugged down all the way and you can't get along with that annoying you know, butterfly that just seems to be all full of life and everything's about Jesus and all this. And you're like, yeah, but we got real problems in the world. Okay, yep, you're right, you do. So, so, so one of the things that I did in coming here and, and partnering with that is I learned that one of the things that I saw that was really missing out of a lot of the men in our culture is just plain old-fashioned courage. You know, you know, our our culture, 
to include everything from preschool all the way through postgraduate where you get your doctorate, their theology, and, and it is because they worship the God made after themselves, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and it has blinded their eyes. And it has taught us that for a man to be strong, he needs to be, you know, hard-fisted. Nope. That's, there's, there's no truth in that at all. <clears throat> One time, as I do in my home, I'm trying to show Mrs. Bridges something because she's important to me. Right? She's my wife. And I take that very seriously. <clears throat> So I'm trying to teach her something. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying it from every direction that I can. Luke, you know, 647. And in that moment, I will teach you what to say. Okay, Spirit, do what you do. Teach me what to say, right? You know, I'm waiting for the, you know, waiting for the Spirit to do His thing. And as we went along, and I tried it from every direction, it was like I could feel welling up inside of me. I was getting more and more angry. And finally, I remember just, uh, I was like standing in the hallway and she's in the kitchen. And finally, she's like, look, I just don't know what you're talking about. So I said, nothing. I just, I have learned over the years. That's a strength. (laughs) Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. So I took and I turn around, right? And I heard the Lord say, you know, because I mean inside, you know the mind, right? You know, you know that, the head talk inside your little space, little madman running around in there, right? And he's got it going on and he says, God, why can't she, how come she just doesn't understand this? And I heard the Spirit say this. I didn't give you the right or the power or the strength to be angry at her. I gave you those things to be angry for her. That's man strength. Lead your homes. Stop waiting around for whatever this thing that we think that we need that's going to make us happy. It won't. It'll never come. You know, the idea of the American dream isn't the Jesus dream. Having a bigger house, bigger vehicle, more stuff, that's not the Jesus dream. It's the opposite. So you're either going to partner with Jesus, sharing what we all have in common, or just go about doing what it is that you have. I call it, then have what you have. But I want more for my family. Right? And I, I know that one of the things that I offer in coming here to Grace Church is that simple truth. That there is a strength inside of me that I know is Christ. You can ask some of the men here. You know how you know you're a good leader? Because people follow you. You call yourself a leader. I don't care what your badge or your title says. You're not a leader. If you're not going anywhere. That's as simple as it is. You know why your wife and children don't want to follow you? Because you're not leading them to Jesus. And you go, well, I don't, you know, I don't know about all that stuff. He'll teach you. He's faithful. He's a good God. He's a good father. He's never let me down ever. So, One of the things is that I'm going to do here today is I'm going to read some of these scriptures that talk about strength. For God God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and a sound mind. Hebrews 10.35, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which is a great reward. Right? Guys, if we're out looking for our reward to be, everyone's going to give you all this acclaim. They're going to tell you, bestow you with praise and all that. That's a lousy reward. You know what my reward has become over the years? Jesus. The more and more that I walk in these truths, the more and more that Jesus is revealed in me. The better I am as a husband. Ask my wife. My son's here. My daughter's here. My daughter. Ask them. Ask my friends. Am I a good example of Jesus? And you go, well, Ron, that, that doesn't sound very humble. No, but it's true humility because I am exactly who he says I am. And I don't believe anything less than that. And here's the great truth. I don't believe that for you either. So when you come to me and you go, oh, I suck and, you know, life's garbage and all this. And I go, time out. No. And you go, oh, Ron can be kind of a jerk sometimes. Yes, that's true. Because I'm not going to agree with that. And neither should you. Don't put up with that foolishness. You know what that's called? A lie. Amen. So, you know, one of the things, too, that I really know in speaking about strength is strength is not a new thing. It's not a new covenant thing. It's just a Jesus thing. Jesus was in the old covenant as well as he was in the new covenant. Luke 24 says that Jesus taught concerning himself from Moses to the prophets. What's that? That's called the Bible. I had someone say to me one time, Ron, how do you know the Bible so well? And I know some of you, this is going to be really deep. Pay attention. You may want to take notes. I read it. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's been a mystery to me too. So, anyway, Psalms, Psalms 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know who I find is the one person that I seem to be most afraid of? Is that little guy inside my own head. And he taints my heart. He'll speak lies to me. And I've learned that, you know what, Jesus, I just want to think like you. You know, one of the things that I helped Steve through was for him to regain his innocence. You know, I didn't do that by out-arm wrestling him. I did that by affirming him and who he is in Christ to remind him of what Jesus says about him. You know, Don Wheeler one time, this is one of the greatest... You know, Don has been my friend now for 34 years. And, and all through that time, he's always teaching. <clears throat> and I love him, not just because of that, but I love Don for who he is in Christ. That's his gift. But yet he's always teaching. And one of the things that he said to me one time, you know what, Ron? You're like a big toddler. <laughs> and you know what? It spoke to my heart. I was like, oh, praise God, he's winning. Yes, amen. Why? Remain childlike. Where is it you think you're going? Listen, guys, I want to tell you what. You're never going to get your doctorate in Jesus. It doesn't work that way. The more and more that you become more Christ-like, the more and more you'll be the greatest servant in the room. The least of these are the greatest. Yes, amen. 
And finally, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, one of the great truths that I know about Jesus is Jesus has never, ever forced Himself on me as my husband. The intimacy He calls me to, He woos me into. He tells me the things that I need to hear. He gives me a heart of thankfulness. He gives me a hope, right? Gives me a joy, a peace. And then I worship. Man, Jesus, I just love you. Amen? You know, He doesn't do it by strong-arming me, blowing the doors off the house, even though He could do that. You know, why didn't Jesus just come on a giant skateboard space shuttle thing? No, but instead He came as a baby. He came lowly and meek and mild. But He knew who He was. He said, I only do what I see my Father do. The Father and I are one. And that's my hope and prayer for you, as Steve has taught us a hundred times. Amen? Okay, so this next slide, <clears throat> this is kind of, this is what religion has taught us. You know, that, man, you gotta be careful how you talk, Ron. Because if you're not careful, the Lord's gonna get you. You know, He sees what you're doing. You know, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Okay. That's true. The Bible does say that. And if you're of the belief, that, that Jesus is out to get you in that way. I heard it said this one time. We serve God the Father, not the Godfather. Right? <laughs> right? He's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. He's, he's more than happy to bestow on us every spiritual gift. Amen? So, if your God is the other God, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that their eyes have been blinded by the God of this world. Who is that? That's the God that you create. Allow Jesus to be to you who He is. Allow the Scripture to speak out to you. Instead of going to the Scripture looking for what it is that you think that you need to hear. Amen? Yes, amen. But anyway, this is my idea of how Religion and the world sees Jesus. This is called Jesus. Amen. I mean, he's strong and all that. And if you, you know, according to Greek mythology, if you get out of line, he's going to drill you with a lightning bolt. I'll put a curse on you. You'll have the bots. And, or No, it's not called that. It's called the, um, and, and the boils out of the Old Testament. In other words, he's going to put something on you. Jesus came to heal all of your diseases. He doesn't need to put it on you to prove that He's God. His love will show you and do that for you. But let Him love you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now one of the things too, that in speaking to the men especially, and what I find amazing is, as, as much as I speak to the men and I want to draw strength out of them and I want you to be of good courage, right? You know what I'm finding amazing? I'm finding amazing how many wives are coming to me and going, it's about time. Because they're like, this is the man I married. You know, Mrs. Bridges has great counsel. Stick with the man that you married instead of trying to change him into being a bigger, hairier version of you, ladies. Come on. Oh, oh, 
I know, I know. And you know what? Look, when it's all done and you want to come and give Steve your little secret ear, it's fine. Okay, yes, I did say it. So, now put it in the cheerful giver's box. That's right, yes. May you be blessed and multiplied. Okay, so if I was to say to most of you, do you know who Nimrod is? Or if I called you a Nimrod, Kelly, you Nimrod, right? In our culture, that means what? Does anyone out there want to dare say, what is it? It's an idiot, right? You know, you fool. You less than. Is that really who Nimrod was? No. Nimrod, in Genesis 10, 8, and 9, says that Cush begot Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one of the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the hunter before the Lord. So if I said that to Kelly, what am I saying? Am I saying what this world or our culture says? Or am I saying what the Lord says? You can believe either one. But where did we get this idea from? Anyone out there ever watched uh, Looney Tunes? You know, Bug Bunny, Elmer Fudd, all that stuff? There was a thing, and it was Elmer Fudd, and he's sneaking along, and he's out there, and he's hunting, you know, bunny wabbits. You guys all know how that goes, right? And it shows Bug Bunny, or a Bugs Bunny, and he says in a caption, or either on a sign, and it says, Nimrod. In our culture, then thought, well, a Nimrod is an Elmer Fudd. And you're like, well, really? That's that simple? Yes. The things that you allow to strengthen you, the things that you allow to be your focus, in other words, what you hang around with, what you focus on, you will begin to look like that. You want to hang around with the image in your mind or the people around you who think you're an Elmer Fudd Nimrod? Or you can be who Christ says that you are and be a Nimrod after as a great and mighty hunter, a great and mighty provider. That who brings good things to his family. That's a husband. Yeah, amen. So, and you know, look, whether you believe in Jesus or you believe in Santa Christ, or Jesus Claus, or whatever your thing is, worship Jesus for who He is. Yeah, that's right. You know, not, you know, one of the great truths that we run into in this country is that a lot of our traditions have molded and shaped for us the image of God. But get to know the real Jesus. Amen? So what I'm going to do now is I am going to share my testimony, or at least part of it. Back in 1978, January 5th, I was not quite 16 years old. My birthday was eight days off, and I was living in Connecticut. And uh, like was my practice, I would drink alcohol before I would go to school. Not real wise. Please don't do that. There's no wisdom in it. It will get you nowhere other than broke and broken. So, but like I did, I stole some liquor from my parents' liquor cabinet. And I went to jerk uh, school. And on that particular day, I didn't get anything to eat and I drank way more than I should have. And I was 
I was just inebriated. I had no control over myself. So I, uh, my girlfriend and my best friend didn't know what to do with me, so they also being 16-year-olds, piece of wisdom, genius struck them, let's just throw them in the bushes, which is what they did. So, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a choose your friends wisely, young people. So, so I took, and, uh, yeah, hold on just a second. Well, I've been delivered, Matthew. And you know what? John 2, the Bible does say that Jesus made the best wine. So, anyway... Um, so anyway, it's January 5th in Connecticut. And if you don't know, it gets cold there. And on this particular day, it was very cold. So I woke up and decided I was going to try to walk home because I knew I couldn't go to school. And as I'm walking home, I slip down this embankment and I fall into this little river in Enfield, Connecticut called the Scantic River. And it's not a giant river, but it is over your head. And I fell into the river in January in Connecticut And as I laid there and tried to get up out of the water, I realized that I couldn't. I struggled. I could barely walk, let alone climb up over the side of an embankment now, you know, covered in icy water. And my grandfather had taught me that as you begin to freeze to death, one of the phenomenons that will happen is the water will then present itself as like bath water. It will become warm. And you know what? He was right. I was just laying there in the water and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give up. And I did. I just laid there in the water and just floated along. I struggled as hard as I could. I did everything I knew to do. And I couldn't get out of the water. So in, in realizing that, all of the sudden, I was also aware that there was something around me. I realized there was a presence, almost like is somebody watching me from the bank. And I heard this voice say, as I said, well, I guess this is it. I guess I'm just going to die. And I heard this voice say, no, you're not. Now get up out of the water and go home. And you know what? I climbed up out of the river and walked home, woke up five hours later on the kitchen floor. Like, well, that was weird. But I do remember that. It wasn't just something in my head. I knew that a voice had spoken to me. Something had given me real strength that I didn't have on my own. Now, fast forward 10 years. It's now 1988, and it's January again. As was my habit, I would get up. I had two wonderful sons, Louis and someone you've never met, Chris. And Chris was a baby, and Louis was seven or eight, whatever he was at the time. He's six years older than Chris. And as was my habit, because it's January in New Hampshire, I'd get up and put more wood in the wood stove. I used to heat the house with wood. No problem. In fact, I've always liked doing that. But I would get up, and as was my habit, I'd have a cigarette and a couple of beers, and I'd go in and I'd see how the kids were doing. Well, on this particular night, I had gone over and I had checked Lewis. And... Uh, <clears throat> After doing that, I looked over, and Chris was laying in his crib, and he was laying on his back. And he had vomited, and he was just a baby, still in diapers. 
and it created over his mouth and nose a mask, and he couldn't breathe. And he was blue. And he was cold. You know, every parent's nightmare, right? So I snatched him up out of his crib, and I'm like, oh, I mean, what do you do? I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know what to do. So I did what I thought, I guess, as a young dad. I brought him into the bathroom, took his stuff off, and got into the shower with him because I thought somehow it would make it better if I could just warm him up. So I got in there. And I started cleaning all the, you know, the, the stuff off of his face. And, you know, as I was doing that, all of a sudden the thought came to me, oh, the voice in the river. Right? So I said, in holding him up, I said, look, you, you did what you do. Right? So do it now. Do it for Chris. But do something. And when I did that, life snapped back into my son. Now to those of you who think this is just a story, pulls on your heartstrings, this was my life. This isn't just some story that I'm telling you. And I was like, you know, as you can imagine, I was like, whoa, time for another beer. Right? So I thought, whoa. So anyway, I got him out, did what I did, got him all lotioned up, new diaper, got him in his, you know, a new little Johnny Jumper thing and, you know, was thankful, carried him around for a little while, put him into bed, right? Woke up three hours later and just had this, I'm just going to go check on him again. And I did, and it was worse than the first time. I mean, I was like, you know, because we start drawing on, I guess it's just sin in us that says, look, I asked him once, will he do it again? And I didn't know he, who, she, they, I didn't know what to call him. I knew that he was real. So I called. I pulled him out of the bed again, and I went into the bathroom, did everything over again. You know, Ron was having church, Right? And I did. This time I held him up higher and I said, you did it before. I saw you do it with me. I saw you do it three hours ago. And you know what happened? You're right. Life snapped back into him. I was so excited. I didn't know who to tell. I wasn't going to tell Dawn. She didn't know the Lord. I didn't even know how to talk to her about it. But you know what? Like Mary, I hid it in my heart and I pondered those things. Couldn't be taken away from me. Over the next week or so, I got orders to go to South Korea. So in August of 1988, in between that January phenomenon, getting my orders and going to Korea, Dawn, because I wasn't a good husband, even though she says I was, and I knew in my heart that I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't lead my family in the strength of the Lord. I did it in the strength of whatever I was. So she then decides that she's going to divorce me while I'm in Korea. She's The marriage is over, which happens a lot in our culture, right? And the reasons why aren't really what's important. But it rocked my world. Everything that I knew and believed in 
was shattered because I believed you marry a woman, you stay married, you fight, you work through it, do whatever you, you need to do. And that was over. So in getting to Korea, I began to drink really heavy now. And this, this idea came to me. You know the best way for you to provide for your family is, Ron? Just kill yourself and get the SGLI, the Servicemen's Group Life Insurance, and that way you can provide for your family. I was already drinking to excess, so I tried it. I knew what I was doing. I knew what to drink. I knew how much to drink, and I drank till I fell into a coma. After waking up out of the coma, they released me from the hospital because they found me and I was unconscious, and I went from 185 pounds to 143 pounds. So I'm 220 right now, so you can imagine what that looked like. I was gaunt. My skin was beginning to change color. And so when they released me from the hospital, like the Air Force does, because I was in the Air Force, they they have like a protocol that they follow. And one of their protocols is they kind of give you a choice. You can either go talk to the hospital psychologist, suicide awareness guy or whatever, or you can go to the chaplain. So I go to the chaplain. Right? I don't know why I chose the chaplain other than just the voice of the Lord and you hear it whether you realize it or not. And if, if I can give you great advice, practice hearing the voice of Jesus. You were, you were made that way. That's what being born again is. My children, when I walk into the room, my son doesn't go, Jesus, is that mom or is that dad? They know my voice. I am their father, right? So, but I go into the chapel, and at this point in my life, I'd had one church experience. My fiancé at the time, years before this, had said, I don't, you know, we're not going to get married. I found out she was unfaithful to me. So I just went on my way. But I'm walking down the street one day, and I see a church. So I thought, well, I'll just go in. Maybe someone here today is like that. So anyway, I just go in, and this older woman comes to me, good church lady, and she says to me, excuse me, young man, do you have any business here? And I said, I don't know. And she says, well, if you don't have any business here, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Don't do that. If if you don't know what to say, call me, because I do. Why? Because at his table, everyone's welcome. That's the great lie of our culture today. We're listening to lies over and over and over. It's us and them, you and they, we and whoever, your enemies. No, it's not. Jesus took care of our enemy. Join His kingdom. Amen? So, after having that experience, I don't know why I went to the chapel, but I did. And while I'm sitting here looking at this chaplain, I'm suddenly aware of this truth. I could see in his eye that he was thinking, this guy is hopeless. I have nothing for him. And I knew it. So he went through his little speech, gave me a Bible, gave me whatever pamphlets that they give you, and went through all the stuff. Let our programs and things serve us, not the other way around. Okay, church? 
So I go back to my barracks, and I had a little refrigerator in there, and like I did, so I thought, well, I always kept Honda Proof Vodka in the freezer, I always kept a certain amount of Jim Beam on hand, and I kept uh, beer. So I'm doing beer chasers, it's probably 9.30 in the morning, perfect time to start drinking. It's got to be 5 o'clock somewhere, now the song goes. So, uh, so I took... <clears throat> And I'm sitting on the floor next to the refrigerator. And there's on the TV, someone had sent a video. And on the video, it was, you know, all the bands that I was singing. Because at the time I was doing music. Not a lot of music, but or even very well. But it was the Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, the whole Iron Maiden, whatever your deal was at the time. And all of the sudden, this thought came to me. What happened? You know, how, how did I get to this place? But just like those other times, that still small voice spoke to my heart and said, I did it before. I can do it again. So I did. I called out. I said, I know I'm at fault. I'm the one who did this. This is my fault. But you saved me out of the river. You saved Chris's life twice. You've done it before. You can do it now. And somehow I just knew in my heart, that's the one that I needed to ask. And I like literally came to like a half an hour later. And I was like, I mean, everything just looked different. I was like, whoa, what happened? Right? Well, Jesus happened. That's what happened. So, for the first time in as long as I could ever remember, I had no need to curse, no need to smoke, and drinking was like, why am I doing this? I mean, I was a little kid like that. And if you get to know me, you'll find out that old Irish saying, the Lord loves fools and little children, and I've been both a lot. So, anyway, I then go on the quest. I go on this journey where I'm going to go around and I'm going to look for somebody who knows this thing that I've met. I didn't know what to call him. So I asked him one day, you know, what do I call you? Right? You know, you think, well, you got to have a name. What's your name? And he said, I'm the one. I was like, oh. Here, yeah, you are the one. You're the one who saved me in the river. You're the one who saved Chris. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one who's changed me. So I didn't know. So I'd go around, went to every church service I could find. I didn't find Jesus, to say the least. Everyone, most people, they would get angry at me because my questions were convicting, probably. Who did I meet? You know, because they'd be like, well, you know, back home, what church do you go to? I don't. Well, how long have you been a Christian? I'm not. (laughs) Right? Well, you know, what version of the Bible do you read? I don't. (laughs) You know, all these questions. And they're like, dude, you're like, like, what is wrong with you? As Seth said, Ron, I honestly believe you are crazy. I am. (laughs) 
Because if you want to know what the world says is normal, watch the news. I'm nuts. And I'm just fine with that. So I started getting frustrated. But one day, and I had been to this Bible study thing, which I didn't know that that's what it was, but it was at the officer's quarters. And they were teaching on something really profound, like what type of wood Ezekiel's wheel was made out of. <laughs> and I am literally like, someone got a gun. I'm, I'm just going to end this right now. This is just... But I began to just get frustrated. I'm like, what is going on? So I went back to my room, and I'm really lost. And not only am I lost, but I'm lonely. I knew the one was there, and I would talk to him. And that was great consolation. But I was lonely. And I didn't even know why I was lonely. And you go, well, isn't Jesus enough? That's why he made all of us. You have no idea how precious that we are to one another in Him. And how He says that thing is precious. So, anyway, it's like, you know, a little while later, and I'm searching, 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 doing everything that I know to do. And the Lord says to me, Ron, it would be really good for you. See, because this is how Jesus talks to me. I don't know how He talks to you. I've never heard, thus saith the Lord, and durst, and all this other stuff. So, anyway, but he says to me, this would be really good for you. If you would go back to the officer's quarter, they're having another Bible study tonight. I started crying. I said, why don't you ask me to fly off the roof? That would be, right? So, anyway, so I take, and uh, all right, Lord, I'll go. So I go, and look, very, very little hope in me. I'd been there before. I didn't want to know any more of the great profound truths and that they were expounding on. So I go there, and again, this guy is teaching about something that is just mind-numbing to me. Because he's not speaking to my heart. It was all head. So it's over. And I'm sitting there. And I start to cry. And I don't mean cry. I mean, my heart is so broken. Lord, you said for me to come here, this would be good for me. This is awful. There isn't even Jesus in this room. And I'm just, tears are rolling down. And all of a sudden, I open my eyes and there's a guy standing in front of me. And he said, hi. Holds his hand out. My name's Don. What's your name? Don Wheeler. So I said, my name's Ron. And he said, Ron, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And these are the words I said, you can hit me in the head with a hammer. I don't care. I've tried everything else. This is useless. He said, no, I won't hit you in the head with a hammer. And as soon as he touched me, light flooded my mind to a way that, I mean, I was just Wow! And I'm jumping around. Wow! This is wild, right? All this. And after a while, I open my eyes and Don's just standing there grinning at me like nothing's going on. I turn around and look. 70 other people in the room and nobody even notices that this experience is happening. That's why we're not man-pleasers, folks. You love your wife well. You love your children well. You love your neighbors well. But you have to do that by Christ. 
You cannot do those things in your own strength. Now, most of us have tried. I tried. And Don will tell you. No, Ron, you weren't that bad of a husband. Yeah, but compared to what? Compared to Jesus? I failed awful. And once I knew that, once I began this quest, this journey. So I'm walking along with Don. And he's talking to me. And I'm so excited because I finally found someone that knew Jesus. How did this... I mean, I'm like, just just talking, right? And if any of you know me, it's not hard to get me to talk. That's still true to this day. So, So anyway, so... So he's going, you know, he's just asking me some basic questions and most of my answers are like, I don't know. And somehow it came out that I said, he's the one. And and Don said, yeah, he's the one. His name is Jesus. And it was like I knew in my knower I had heard my father's name for the first time and was aware of it. Oh, Jesus. I was like, Oh, you've got a name, and I, oh, I know it, right? His name is Jesus, and you know what I've learned? I've learned I call on that name over 34 years ago, and He always hears me. He always answers me. Now, I'm going to close with this. The word ethereal is used oftentimes to describe those things which are spiritual. And the word ethereal means extremely delicate and light that seems too perfect for this world. That's Jesus. But then Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, said, you know what? I want to have a relationship with each and every one of you. So that then we could be ethereal. The band guys, yep, come on. So, your image of Jesus is whoops, is either this, or as I've learned, and like many of you who know me, know that I love John's revelation. I do. There's so much out of it. And you know why? Because of the title. It was John's revelation of Jesus Christ. And you know what the Lord always affirms me in? Lord, just tell them about your revelation of me. That's all you have to do. You want to share life, capital L life with people? Then share the revelation that you know. Share the hope that's in you. You don't have to be, you know, a deep theologian or a teacher or whatever. You know, you don't even have to know the Lord very long. Don at that time had only known the Lord three years, and I thought I thought he wrote most of the Bible. So, but yet, you know what I have found out? I have found out that Jesus exists only in the mind of men. But that the real Jesus looks more like this. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the cave and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. 
for the great day of his wrath has come who is able to stand you know what guys meeting Jesus you want him to do great and mighty things see him first as the lamb that the work that he did was enough it was complete I mean that's what our gospel is Paul said that he called it his gospel what's your gospel is it Jesus reigning with wrath fury and power in your homes or is it the lamb who the scriptures tell us has all power and the world is fearful of him how do you be afraid of a lamb it's a lie the truth is he can be trusted he can be trusted beyond trust that he'll put it in your heart to love him and trust him it's by his might by his power that we're able to do even greater things as Jesus calls it so today guys my prayer for you my word of encouragement to you guys don't be another Ron be who you are be simply saturated by Jesus and allow him to have his expression as you today amen and you'll find yourself able to do great and mighty works amen and again remember guys if nobody's following you it's because you're not leading them to Jesus so let's do that okay let's be encouraged Father, I just thank you, Lord, and I just speak over everyone present here today, Lord. Every heart. And you know their hearts, Lord. Lord, you gave them these hearts. For those who don't know you, Lord, it's as simple as that. I can't do this. You can, and I'm going to trust you to do it. I'm going to trust you to regenerate me, to make me a new creation in you, so that I can be born into your family, into your kingdom, Lord. Lord, for the hearts here that are represented on both sides, one would have a heart to be discipled, and the other side is a heart to be a disciple. That we would love well as you've loved us well, Lord. And Father, today, Lord, and every day forward, we leave the past in the past. You've got a hope and a future for us, a better promise of tomorrow, Jesus. And we just leave that in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.